and welcome to Looking for the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and today I am joined by Introduce Yourself, Good Sir. Hello, my name is Alani Alongwe. Which is an awesome name, by the way. Let me just point out that is a very awesome, <laughs> awesome name. Awesome name. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, recently, actually just changed it. Yeah, I was I was just about to ask because um, you're credited under a different name when you did um, Loud House. So right. So what's the story behind that? Um, so I've always actually wanted to change my name since I was about 18, but um, I wanted to do it once I knew more about um, my history and my ancestry. Um, so when I moved to LA, uh, I ended up dating a girl who I went to school with, who's also a voiceover artist. Shout out to, uh, my wife, Jaquita Tale and, uh, her father, um, whose name is Osiande Tale actually did what I wanted to do, um, back when he was younger, which was change his name, trace his ancestry. Um, and he basically, you know, showed me the ropes he ended up researching my family history. Uh, he like popped up one day with a USB drive that just had like the entire Bird family history on it because I, you know, I was born Carlton Bird. Um, and then I did some DNA testing and was able to track my DNA back to Mozambique. So once I understood, you know, like where my ancestors first touched ground here in America or first brought to uh, tracked all the way back to, you know, a country of origin. And um, funny enough, there was only like around 11,000 people who were taken from Mozambique. So it's like, it's a very, you know, small number. Um, but from there, I was able to, you know, start doing some research around names. And um, he gave me like a book with like a bunch of African names in it. And like, I read through the books, but like nothing was resonating with me, but he said something to me that like, I didn't believe at the time, which was, he was like, you know, you can go through these books, but the, the ancestors will show you your name. And I was like, yeah, all right. That sounds, that sounds crazy, but sure. Whatever. Um, but I went through the books and one day I was just like sitting on the floor um, with my wife, she was like watching a movie. I was just like, you know, flipping through Instagram. And then like randomly, I was just like, is Alani a name? And she was like, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Look it up. And then I looked it up. And of course it was a name, but it meant, uh, you know, precious child, you know, precious child, beautiful child. And I was listening to it and I was like, wow, I've never felt like a precious or a beautiful child. I would love for that to be my name. Um, and then a long way was just like, you know, an Egyptian bird. And I was just like, yeah, that sounds cool. So Alani a long way. And here I am. That must've been a nightmare to get it changed on IMDb. <laughs> Listen, man, you had to go like through like IMDb wasn't a big issue. Like the, the union was a, a, a little bit of a headache. Cause you know, you have to like write a letter, you have to send it into the right people. And then like, they didn't get it or like it got lost in the mail. So then you have to send it again. But essentially, it's like for every job that pops up, they just want to, you know, do their due diligence and make sure that they're crediting you correctly. Um, but like now, you know, like this weekend, I'm actually just going to start fi filling out the paperwork to um, change my name legally so, so that I have to go through the whole process again. But this time, it'll just make it a lot easier for folks. 
because uh, I was just wondering because like while I was doing my research, I you know you are credited uh, you are credited as you know Carlton Bird from all the stuff you've done, and I'm kind of like, uh, what? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> Why? You're is, right, right, right. Is that a pseudonym? Yeah. <laughs> was was right. his name like too hard to spell? And it's like, can you work under a pseudonym or something like that? Because I know that happens sometimes. But um, yeah, no, you know, it's just like you know, chose a name that. Um, that, you know, a lot of African-Americans do um, over here in the States, you know, once they've uh, learned a bit more about their history, you know, um, you know, a lot of individuals, they want to take a different name, you know, going all the way back to, I mean, as early as, you know, not even that far back, but like, you know, Malcolm X, you know, um, changing his name once he went to the Nation of Islam, you know. Um, so it's something that a lot of individuals do, you know, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar changed his name, Muhammad Ali, we know changed his name. Um, but it becomes like a, a source of pride for individuals, especially, you know, me, um, knowing that I could pass on a name to my child, right. That is like an original name linked specifically to our family and doesn't carry any extra like baggage behind it. Plus, it just sounds cooler. It doesn't sound generic. Also, it's just cool. It's just very cool. <laughs> so um, how did you get started in, in voiceover? Uh, I got started. So when I was living in New York, um, I was interested in, in doing voiceover after I graduated from school. Um, my wife and I went to NYU together. But like, you know, I didn't take any like, you know, voiceover classes at NYU which would have been a super dope class. Maybe they offer that now. Um, but I was just like, I want to get into voiceover. But like my agent didn't really know anything about like how to get into that because she didn't rep any voiceover artists. So basically I just went on Google and I was just like, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to learn how to do it first, right? So um, I got linked up with this 12-week course at a, um, a school called uh, Shut Up and Talk. Um, in New York. And at the time, my teacher was a, a gentleman by the name of Roger Becker. And Roger Becker also just happened to be like a casting director. Um, so like, you know, I showed up to the course, you're at my first day of class, you know, like, I don't know why I was late, but like I was late. Um, but like I walked through, sat down, he starts giving us the lessons. And like the first day of class was just a bunch of information on voiceover, which like blew my mind because I, I don't know what I expected, but I know that I didn't really understand all the different avenues that there were that a voiceover artist could take. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I like I knew about animation and like I knew that people did things on the radio, but I didn't really know that like there were like trained professionals on the radio and that you could also do like video games and hosting and, you know, TV commercials and like ADR and looping and like all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. And at the end of the 12-week course, um, he pulled me aside and he said, you know, listen, um, I'm going to forward your materials off to uh, Billy Ciro over at Abrams Artist Agency, which is now, I think, like A3 Agency or something, because he's like, you know, I feel like, you know, that you could really work in this business and you can also fill a gap that's needed in the market. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Because like me, I was like, I'm going to take a class. I'm going to like learn what I can. I'll put together a demo. I'll start self-submitting myself. And then like maybe one day I'll get an agent. But he was like, no, 12-week course. 
I'm hearing your reads, you know, like, I think you have what it takes. I'm going to go ahead and set up a meeting. And then he set up the meeting with uh, Billy. I went and I met him. Uh, He signed me right there in the office. And then over the next few months, um, I ended up having the highest booking ratio. Um, He told me the highest booking ratio of anybody in the company, you know, just because probably because, you know, I was just so excited that I was just like, forget it. I don't care what's going to happen. I'll just do whatever. Um, And apparently that was like, you know, attractive to folks. Um, But that's how I got started. And um, and my first, you know, big voiceover gig was um, a Good Morning America summer concert series campaign um, where I got to like introduce the uh, concert for Beyonce in Central Park, I think back in like 2011 or something. And that basically like started a three year gig of, you know, coming in and recording the the um, opening promos for like whoever was coming to perform, whether it be like 50 Cent, J-Lo, Sting, like whoever. Um, and that just really, you know, broke me into the market. So how did you transition into animation? So I transitioned into animation by um, moving to L.A. And then when I got out to L.A., I did research again, Um, I don't know if you can tell, but like I'm big on research and I'm big on nerding out when it comes to like breaking into a new market artistically. I'm like, you need to learn. And once I learn what I need to learn, then I'm going to go at it full steam. So um, I reached out to Roger Becker and I was like, I'm out here in L.A. I want to get into animation. And I was like, where can I go and learn? And he gave me a bunch of names for people. And uh, one of the names that popped up during my research was um, a gentleman by the name of Rick, uh, Rick Wasserman. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Rick's work, but like Rick is the signature voice of AMC. So like, you know, if you've ever heard one of those commercials where it's like AMC's Breaking Bad, like that's Rick. And like, you know, he does a bunch of Marvel stuff and like he's just all over the place, works all the time. And I essentially did a, a hour workshop with him. Um, on animation. And basically he coached me up in that hour um, as to everything that I would need to do from like slating in a way with like that made people feel that like I was welcoming and that I'd be cool in the booth, you know, um, to making bold and dynamic as he puts them bookable choices. And from there um, I went out and I, you know, was working with a a non-union agent for a while and my manager at the time, like I basically like accumulated all of these bookings from just non-union stuff on top of the Good Morning America things that I was still doing. And I put that together in a voiceover reel and I sent it to my manager and I was like, I think I'm ready to like, you know, start doing some animation stuff right on top of getting an agent out here in L.A. Um, and then he he got me a meeting with Atlas Agency, Atlas Talent, Um with a uh, Heather over there, um, shout outs to Heather. And essentially, you know, it was just basically, you know, hitting the road, auditioning a whole bunch, um, getting a bunch of like callbacks and producer sessions for like Disney product um, projects, Nickelodeon projects, um, you know, um, some like cartoon network, adult swim type stuff. And then I got like some voice matching and like, you know, some hits on things here and there. But ultimately, it came down to Nickelodeon um, sent out an audition for like the assistant to a principal. And 
they said on it that like, you know, if there's a possible, a possibility that the role would recur. And um, so like I sent in that audition, I booked that went in and then um, didn't hear anything for a while. And then they brought me back again, but they brought me back for a different role, which ended up being Tippy the cow and Tippy the cow ended up being the role that was recurring while like the assistant to the principal did not And I was just like, whatever, that's cool. And, um, and from there, it's just been like, you know, a, a wonderful experience of continuing to book, you know, uh, cartoon series. Um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of booking a, um, a, um, spinoff of Craig the Creek recently. Um, Jessica's little big world, I believe it's called. That's going to be on like cartoon network and HBO max coming out soon. And we just recorded the pilot for that. So, you know, it's been, it's been really awesome. And when you got the role of Tippy, did you did you record like because Tippy appears in like two episodes, right? And and did you guys and did you record those episodes back to back? No, um, they like it's funny. Like what they'll end up doing is they'll bring you in for uh, an episode, and you'll record like the lines that you have for say Tippy the cow because that'll be like what your guest recording. But while you're there, you're only focusing on that one episode and you'll also be recording various other roles as well. So like I usually end up doing like five, six, seven different roles every time that I pop up, even though, right, like I'm I'm credited as Tippy, you know, um, but really it was just like, you know, a bunch of episodes, you know, sp- spread out over a, a, a series of weeks Um and then in sometimes months, you know, like um, there were a couple episodes that we did earlier this year, you know, um, and um, and then, you know, one time they brought me back just to like do some singing for an episode, you know. So really, yeah, it's just it's really spread out. And I guess it's just based off of, you know, what the writers are into for that week and the characters that they feel like bringing back. And then they'll just hit you up and be like, hey, are you available for, you know, a record next Tuesday? And you'll be like, yeah. And then you'll pop in and knock it out in like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then, you know, that's it. Because I asked because um, both of those episodes are Lynn centric episodes. So I'm kind of wondering, right. did, did, you, did you record them back to back or but apparently that wasn't the case. It's funny, too, because it's like, you know, like like I see how you would make that connection. And for me, I look at it and I'm just like, oh, it's like if if Lynn feels like going on an adventure where she's going to go to any theme park, right? Like, I'm like, Tippy the Cow is probably going to pop up somewhere. (laughs) You know, if he's not going to be dressed in his Tippy the Cow costume, he'll probably be on the PA system or something randomly. Um, But it just seems to be like a really fun running gag of a character that they have where he's just like always in the mix whenever like Lynn feels like going on an adventure to some sort of theme park or, or something like that. Yeah, because the character was originally introduced way back in season one, so exactly, it's exactly, been a recurring thing. Uh, when you did, ah, um, uh, what's his name, Oliver in Deep Cuts? Did you record with Melalee, or what, was there? Did you record um, separately? Oh, with the entire team. Um, yeah, they brought in everybody. Um, like essentially, they'll take you down to to Nickelodeon over in Burbank, and the whole cast is there. And you know, it's like. It's really wonderful because, you know, everyone's just like 
these very positive, warm, big kids, you know what I mean? And like, we're just basically all in like a really big booth. We all have our individual microphone, individual sections. Um, and then we just go through the entire episode together, you know, line by line or, you know, section by section, um, which is fun because you get an opportunity to like work off of each other and like match each other's energy, which is really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, we work with everybody. Because um, that was a great record because they had like uh, R- Rye Chase on the show. And when they uh-huh. and when they were on talking about that record, they were trying their hardest to stay professional. But they it was like hard for them because everyone was doing like weird voices and they were trying oh their my hardest God. To, to, to keep it like, you know, to keep to stay professional because... What they Yo, didn't know, what they didn't know was if you get a bunch of adults together in a room, you're actually getting children. <laughs> in a <Yeah>. room. <laughs> that's exactly it. And like that, I will say that's the hardest part um, that I'm finding about like animation is just not breaking when someone around you is doing like the most hilarious read you've ever heard, especially because like it's right on the spot. You know, it's not like folks have had an opportunity to prepare everything because, you know, they'll just throw things at you in the moment of being like, Hey, can you pick up this line? Can you do that? Oh, on this walla, right. Can you just, you know, try a, a different screen? What about this pitch? What about that? So people are just kind of like improving, right. To fill these moments. And like, it's usually the most hilarious part of the day and you're just trying not to mess it up with your laughter. No. And it's, and it's, ama- and it's an amazing episode because like, it's a, it's a great cast and I'm kind of, again, I said this before, but, um, I'm glad that you guys got the chance to record <laughs> to record to record that episode in a group, you know, before you know pa- the pandemic hit, and you know, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Which you know, it's been. I will say this, you know, it's it's been like a major shift doing like you know additional episodes during the pandemic, but the energy is still there, which is really fun, you know, like um, like I was on a. a a record with like, you know, uh, the amazing Cree Summer and Tara Strong, right? And it's like, you know, people are like recording like in their bathrooms, you know, like somebody has like, they're in their closet and there's like a mattress up against the window. You know, it's just like, they're just making it work, man. You know, and like, and Nickelodeon is good about, you know, sending out the kits that you need so that everyone has the same sound quality. But like everyone generally just has like a a a very wonderful um attitude and and energy about it because it's like even in the midst of the pandemic through the wonders of technology right voiceover has been one of the the jobs that has been able to like keep going on right without really stopping um so you know we're jumping on these these virtual calls and recording as if we were there together in the room and it's like we're not even missing a beat yeah, no, it's amazing because um, I remember when the pandemic first hit, like everyone was worried, like, how are we going to adapt? But, you know, credit where it's due, the studios adapted real, really quickly because they were like, hey, if we don't adapt, we'll we'll die. So, you know, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what what you know, out of all the people you've worked with, like, do you do you um, are you in awe of, of seeing them work like? <laughs> Honestly, I was I was really in awe of a uh, of Cree Summer because she was <laughs> she was like she's recording in what looked like her bathroom. I don't know, you know what I mean. But like, first of all, 
it's like I grew up listening to her and watching her on TV. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, oh my God, it's Freddie from from uh, a different world. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is so amazing. And then, you know, she's, her voice comes in and you're just like hearing like, you know, Angelica from Tiny Toons, right? And like, you know, Rugrats is running through your mind. You're just like, this is one of the most iconic voiceover artists, right, ever. And And watching her work is really, really fun because she's, not only very very funny on the mic she's hilarious off the mic because <laughs> you know like like she's like watching her kids at the same time they're like outside playing so you know she'll do these like wonderful things where she's just like hold up I need to check and make sure they're not burning down the house or something so she'll just like listen and like based off listening she'll know what they're doing in the other room you know it's like it's just super dope um and, and just recording with someone like that that that's the moment where I was just like first of all this is amazing Secondly, I'm just taking notes um, because she's just so free, you know, and it just comes so easily to her, uh, all these choices that she's making. And like, that's that's really wonderful to see. No, she's she's amazing. Like, I, I try my best to try to find like any interview or any like panel she's done just to just to listen to her talk, because she is just she's so animated in the best way. So possible. Animated. That's right. <laughs> so, so amazing. Um, and out of all the stuff like you've done, obviously, like there's, you know, stuff that's still under NDA, like what was the most challenging role you've ever done so far? Uh, voiceover wise? Yeah, voiceover wise. I would probably say, I'll probably say that the, the GMA gigs were probably the most challenging, um, the promo work, because it's like it got to a point where like we were very uh, systematic with it. But when I was first starting out finding the right energy um, for those, for those reads was, was challenging because you have different artists who are coming in. And for some of those promos, right. You're kicking out like 30 different artists uh, in like, you know, a span of like 45 to 60 seconds. Right. And you're like, you know, LMFAO, you know, Demi Lovato, right? Like just all these people and finding the way in which to make each one of those names sound unique while keeping this super high energy, because this is not only um, good morning America, right? It's also something that is like going to be on during the summer in a concert. So the energy has to be through the, the roof. I was just like, all right, this is going to take a, a level of vocal flexibility that I'm going to have to like warm up for to make sure I can maintain throughout the record. Um, because if ever I came in, right, and, you know, it was like early in the morning, right, or it had been a long day, you know, all the notes would just be like more energy, more energy, more energy. And I was like, okay, got it, got it, got it. So it's like one of those, you know, take a couple espresso shots, you know what I mean, get your blood going and like really push for it. Um, but eventually we got to the point where, you know, we can knock it down in like five to 15 minutes, you know, and just like be good. And, and that's a good feeling to have, to just know that like, once you have the read for something, they don't even have to play you back a reference because it's just alive in you all the time. Yeah. Plus with promo, like there's like so many people have different ideas of what, what they want a promo to sound like. So, right. So one person's like, okay, can you do it like this? While the other person's like, oh, well, we want it more over the top or what have you. 
And right. with with promo, you kind of need to understand like who is the audience for the for for um this thing you're promoting. Is it yep. like children? Is it a young adults? Is it like adults? Is it like eighteen to forty five? You know, <laughs> just That's right. So you kind of need to um be um be aware of um be aware of like who you're recording for to to make it sound right. That's right, and understanding too that like. Like Good Morning America is on ABC. ABC, we know, is like a Disney company. So it's like the energy has to match something that would be appropriate for Disney. You know what I mean? And it's like that was something that was like fun to negotiate as well. That was very different um, than any of the other other um, uh, clients that I had worked with. Where like Disney has a specific sound, right? Even if it's like ABC News, it's like you're giving them the news, but you're giving them the news with a smile. You know what I mean, right? Um, so like that's that was something that was very interesting to me as well. Yeah, because it's a morning uh, talk show. It's not. It's not that's meant right. to be heavy, and and you know, you, you know, people just got up in the morning. You know, they don't want to. You know, it's lighthearted, is what I'm trying. That's to say. right. That's right. Um, and out of, and, um, how many promos have you done so far? Like, uh, out of, throughout your career so far? Um, we, I mean, I've done at least, I've done for GMA just alone. I've done at least 450 reads for them. Um, just counting like the individual, like bookings that had to happen just to lead up to that week's promo. Um, you know, because they would do, you would have to record like the 30, the 15, the five, all the tags, right? And then come back and do, you know, next week, tomorrow, today. You know what I mean? Those are all individual bookings that like you get paid for. Um, so like just over those three summers, like three to four summers um, that we did, you know, that in itself was like around 450 bookings. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, there's been some promos that I've done like voice matches for, um, you know, for certain networks, like it's, it's a lot. Uh, but I would say at the very least 450 of them. You know, speaking of voice matching, have you ever voice matched a celebrity? Have, uh, I've, I've voice matched Jamie Foxx. Um, I've voice matched Ice-T, Ice Cube, uh, the actor Richard T. Jones, and and recently I did some voice matching for uh, the uh, MTV Movie Awards, where um, um, Leslie Jones was <laughs> Leslie Jones was uh, doing a parody of like the the Bridgerton show and also One Night in Miami. So I ended up doing you know voice matches for those actors um, for those uh, you know. Uh, Kingsley, uh, I did one for him, and then I ended up doing another one for um, uh, Eli Gorey and his like Cassius Clay impression. Uh, I did one for Leslie Odom Jr., but they didn't use it for the thing because they ended up like cutting him out of that skit. But like uh, Aldous Hodge as his Jim Brown, you know, and it's funny to do like a voice match for a celebrity who's doing a voice match for a celebrity, you know what I mean, which is like super duper fun. Um, and then of course, you know, um, doing the voice match for, um, the, uh, the Bridgerton show for, you know, 
the individual who's like really taking off, you know, with his Simon Bassett, you know, I haven't even seen the show. I just saw these clips. Um, but it was funny on that too, because like the, the director is British. And then like the voice match I had to do was for a character who's British. And I was like, man, I really hope my British is on point. And we did it. And he was just like, all right, great. Moving on. I was like, yes, one take. Um, but you know, those, those are the voice matches are very, very fun because also me personally, I don't know what, like who I can imitate or who I can voice match until they send the reference and I try, you know, and that's when I'm just like, Oh, you know, I didn't know I had an ice tea. I didn't know I had an ice cube, you know, uh, LO cool J, you know, um, he's another one that I, I do a lot. And, um, when, I mean, when they send you uh voice matches, do they specifically say we want, you know, it's for this thing. It's for that thing. You know, it's like X seconds long, or is it just, we want a voice match for ice tea for this thing. Yeah. It's usually for like a very specific thing. You know, it might be that like, it might be that, you know, they want, um, they need ADR for, you know, like a celebrity and they're not available to come in and record the ADR. So they'll bring in someone to do a voice match for it. Um, and they'll just be like, here are the, you know, here's the line that we want. Here's them doing it. Right. And then maybe there's like, a word missing or something, you know, that they couldn't get, which is why they had to re-record it anyway. And then essentially you take the reference and then try to voice match that specific line. Um, or, you know, with the, the ice tea, the ice tea and the LL Cool J um, and the ice cube, like those were for things where they gave you copy for a specific thing. Right. But, but there was no reference track to them saying the lines Right. They just knew that like they wanted they wanted to, you know, animate like someone with an iced tea voice. Right. Or have a, a promo or radio thing with like someone with an LL Cool J like voice. So they'll give you like 30 seconds of copy and then be like, can you say this as if, you know, you were iced tea or LL Cool J. So it's just a proof of concept sort of thing, I guess. Basically, you know, and then because like I think I don't even know what brand it was, but like. But, you know, there was one for it was like um, it was like a cartoon, you know, and and they wanted the cartoon character to sound like Ice-T, you know. So, like, you would do the entire 23, 27 pages, whatever it was, right, in the voice of Ice-T. But then when they animated it, you know, the guy wasn't Ice-T at all. You know what I mean, right? Like, he didn't look like Ice-T, but he sounded like Ice-T, which made it even more hilarious. So they specifically want, in that case, they specifically said they wanted an Ice-T impression for this character. That's right. They'll, like, because um, many times they'll they'll give you, like, a reference for the voice, which, like, you don't always have to, like, match, you know? Um, and usually you'll find that you'll, you'll audition for something and they'll say, like, you know, the reference is, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan, Right. And they're basically kind of just talking about like a tone and an energy type thing. But sometimes they'll get very specific and they're just like, like, no, we want him to sound like Michael B. Jordan. And you'll be like, okay, all right, cool. I, I guess you couldn't afford Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> so you want to get someone who sounds like Michael B. Gotcha. Yeah, but you have to sound like him exactly. Otherwise, exactly. It it, that's otherwise right. Otherwise, it doesn't work because that's what that's voice right. matching is. It's not. It's not an impression. It is a voice match. You have That's to right. sound exactly like whoever they want you to sound like. Otherwise, they're not going to hire you. 
That's right. And it's trickiest for for the um, where you're matching someone that's going to be on video. You know, when it's like an ADR, right, situation and someone's going to be like, you know, literally looking at Richard T. Jones and seeing his lips move. If his voice didn't sound like what it sounded like a sentence ago, they're going to be pulled out of the experience. So, like, yeah, it has to be exact. Oh, I know. I know the feeling because sometimes some movies like have really terrible Terrible. (laughs) voice and voice matches and it just terrible. It just takes me out of it. It's just like, but that doesn't sound like Wesley Snipes. (laughs) (laughs) What is it like New Jack City? Is that what you're watching? No, it was Blade. It was Blade Trinity. Blade. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite is like watching a movie where, like, they you know they have a dub over it, like to cover their cursing or something. But it's like network TV, so it's like you know they didn't really take the time to get somebody who could like really voice match it, and it just sounds so awful, like so awful. Yippee kaye, Mister Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is like they'll play like um what is it? they'll play like um um do the right thing on tv and it's like there'll just be some random dude coming in and being like listen here mickey ficky and it's like what is a mickey ficky <laughs> but it's like clearly not you know john carlo esposito or like spike lee it's it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> hey and sometimes like you you do voice matches and sometimes it ends up on a on an airplane edit. <laughs> so there you That's go. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because because I, I I listened to another podcast where someone talked about like I had to do like voice matching for David Schwimmer for like a, for like a TV edit of a of an airplane movie that he was in and I'm just like that is just the weirdest. That's weirdest the weirdest thing, thing ever. Like, That's super weird. Like, put put that on your resume. Voice match. That's right, David Schwimmer. Oh man, you know the other voice matches that like are fun too, where it's not necessarily a celebrity. Um, that you know, I realized once I got into VO is that when you're voice matching someone who already had a gig, but like they ended up you know leaving the project for whatever reason. But like the producers or the client wants still want that voice, you know, and that's that's a tricky one, too, because it's like you always it's like, how do you how do you like toe the line between, you know, matching that previous voice while still adding your unique flavor to it? You know, no, it's tough because sometimes, you know, I've talked about this before, but sometimes you're put in a difficult position where someone either leaves the project and they want someone to replace them to sound just like them or an actor passes away and you're left with no choice, but to get, uh, but to get a sound alike. And that is hard. And that is like, that is hard. Right. And especially if like someone passes away, like that's, that's where it's like, you know, you really just want to like, you know, do your best job to like match them exactly to like, you know, keep that legacy going, you know, but that's, that's usually a really, a really interesting thing um, when those come my way. And I'm just like, I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. Got it. You know, this guy's been doing this thing for like five seasons, you know, like 187 episodes. Like people know this guy. Let me go ahead and get this right. You know, cause I don't want to like ruin the rest of the series because people are like, ah, man, it doesn't sound like Finn. 
you know what I mean? Or like whoever, you know? And it's it's tough, but hey, you know, someone's got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> and have you ever voice matched for like a trailer? No, um, I've auditioned for those, but no. But like when those come in, it's it's usually a similar ADR type thing, you know? Because um, for me personally, the ones that usually come into me, it's like a voice match for like a trailer that like Kevin Hart is in. But I'm like, man, my voice does not go that high. <laughs> I'm like, Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is like in a certain stratosphere vocally that my voice is just like, no, <laughs> you know, um, but like, that's usually the situation. It'll be, it'll be covering, you know, like a celebrity's lines for the promo of the movie type thing. Um, but those are always cool as well. Because I know I I because I know um Sissy Jones does a lot of um voice matching for Charlize Theron for uh-huh. when whenever she's not available to do like ADR for a movie she you know they call her up and she's like hey can you do Charlize and she's like yeah sure <laughs> you know? yeah right 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 yeah um but but no it's interesting you mentioned you know Kevin Hart because that's another tough voice to do because it's it's very high pitched and sometimes you're like why are you asking me to do something I, I'm physically unable to do you know why do you want my throat to bleed <laughs> I want my throat I want my throat to stay in one piece no but have you have you ever worried about like pushing yourself to to your absolute limits sometimes it crosses my mind but it's it's something where you know like that technique helps you with to make sure that you won't injure yourself. Um, you know, it's something where, you know, as, as long as like when reading the script, right, you get an idea of what's going to be demanded on your voice, or if you understand the type of project. Um, and then that will let you know, okay, let me go ahead. And when I warm up before this gig, let me really make sure like I'm taking care of like, you know, those basement notes, right. Or let me make sure that I'm really, uh, exploring my flexibility, right, in like my nasal passages or my head voice today, you know. Um, and then, you know, if I'm doing a lot of screams or something for something, let me make sure that each one of those higher pitched screams is going to be anchored right by my in my diaphragm with my lower notes first, you know. Like I kind of approach it like a singer does, you know. If you're if you're looking at that that high eight, you know, like for that a i understand that i need to anchor that lower note first right and then you know i could either slide up to it you know what i mean or like find an easier way to get to it versus losing a connection to my my breathing and then just trying to belt out that extra high note ugh, that usually doesn't end up you know very well uh as you know sound wise or for your throat um so, you know, I don't really worry about it as much as I did before I had uh, a, uh, a foundational technique to work with. Um, earlier in my career, I would be like, oh, how am I going to do this? You know, but over time, I was just like, OK, I can do it now. And do you have any vo- vocal warm up techniques before you um, go into the booth? Yeah, I essentially just warm up the way that I would if I was like, you know, auditioning for a Broadway show or something. Um, where I go through a, a full 30 to 40 minute vocal exercise that takes me through, you know, uh, not only the scale on a piano from like, you know, my lowest note to my highest note, but then there's different sounds that I will then do, um, over the course of that to really make sure that I have the flexibility that I need. 
Um, and then once I'm warm, I will then start working on making sure that like my articulators are working well that day, you know, making sure that like there's flexibility and dexterity and like my tongue, you know, like little things like that. Um, so that if we have to do something where the cadence is really quick, you know, or the, the words are super lyrical, right. I can make sure that I'm going to be understood. And once the vocal warm up is out of the way, I'll probably just try to hear a couple of the actual lines, right. Um, in my mouth for a while. And if I can, I'll probably try those at like different speeds, different volumes, right. A different cadence just to play with it. And if I can do all of that without any hiccups, then I know I'll be good for the session. And how long is usually, and how long does it usually take you for, you know, an average, how long is an average session for you? Uh, Probably no longer than like an hour, you know, like it, it depends on what it is. If it's a promo, right. Like it can probably be a max of 15 minutes. Um, If it's animation, then it's around, if it's the first time we're going in to do something, it's probably going to be about an hour. If it's a return session on something, maybe around 30 minutes, you know, but like I find really no longer than an hour. Man, you work fast. You're probably like we move it, man. We move it. <laughs> probably the first person I've had on this podcast that just works real fast. <laughs> we just move it. You know what I mean? Because uh, like my sessions, they usually end up being something like like pretty early on. They end up getting what they need. Right. And then they're just like, basically like, okay, let's just play, <laughs> you know, like, um, like that was, you know, recently for the, the Jessica's little big world, you know, that it was, it was something like that where, you know, we were, um, they had gotten everything that they need. And then, you know, the, uh, showrunner was just like, Hey, how much time do we have? And they're like, Oh, we're good on time. And then she was like, yo, let's like do everything again. <laughs> but she's like, can you just ad lib and do whatever you want? And I was just like, what? Really? Okay. You know, and then we just did it again. And I was just like, what about this ad lib? What about that ad lib? What about this? You know? Um, so those are always super fun sessions as well. And and that might be a reason why I like to, that it moves so smoothly is because like, you know, I try to come in as prepared as possible just to give them options. And then when they, if they like the options, um, towards the end of the session, we're just playing from there. That That's weird. You say like, you know, improvise. What, what did they mean by improvise? Oh, it's just something where um, like, you know, like the, the writer will come in with something where on the script, right? Like, you know, the words will be set the way that they have it or the way that they want the story to go. And then for me, what I what I will end up doing is that I always like to stay true to what they wrote. And then I might like throw on a button, you know, what I mean, or like ad lib some sort of effort going into the line, you know, just to kind of like give it a little bit more life um, or play it out as if like, you know, I was really in the cartoon. And those are things where they like those ad libs and like those little additions to the point where you know, many times they'll say, hey, can you give us another one like that where you were like running up the stairs before you like kicked open the door and said your line? And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And then, you know, I'll be like, <laughs> you know, like, and then they'll be like, ha, 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 super funny, right? Um, but it's just little things that aren't necessarily on the page that you add to it that they'll consider an ad lib 
And if it adds to, you know, their vision, they're more than welcome with, you know, you continuing in that direction. And did you ever, did you ever ad lib on the, on the loud house? Oh yeah. Um, you know, like, like a still, you know, like staying true to their line, but you know, like for, uh, for Oliver, you know, like, um, like he has a line where like that little running effort was something I did with Oliver because, you know, he has something where he's like break busting through the door for like principal rivers. I think her name was, yeah, principal, and I was just principal rivers. Yeah. And I was just like, first of all, I need to like know my own credits and the things that I've done because like I've been butchering names right, left and right. <laughs> Jessica's Jessica's big little world is the show. I probably said little big before, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but like, but like I was just thinking in my mind, you know, like what if he was running down the hall, you know, and like it doesn't say he's running down the hall or running at all, or like on the page. But I'm just like, that sounds really cool to me. Let me try it. You know, and if they hate it, then it's like, cool, you know, we won't do it anymore. Right. But if they like it, maybe that opens the door to like another idea, you know, Um, and everyone is doing that in the room. Like they're adding their own personality and their own flavor to each line. And that really gives it the color that ends up popping up on the uh, on the TV screen. Because Oliver comes off as very like, you know, very. He's kind of like a um, a neat freak in a way. Like he's very dem- <laughs> yeah. very demanding. Very like you know you kind of you kind of need to stop. You know that's right. That's right. Not, you kind of need to cut uh, the budgets. And Principal Rivers is like having a, an existential crisis, and he's like, no, you kind of have to stay true to your to to what you what you said you're gonna do. It's just really hilarious. And uh, you know you and you and Mello worked so well together on that episode. It's just so amazing. Yeah, it was, that was a, a whole lot of fun. Uh, and I think there's something too, like about meeting people for the first time and then like jumping into a booth with them that is like really, really cool because like it kind of, it forces you to listen, right? And like listen very closely so that you can really take in what they're saying and the energy that they're giving and then like respond truthfully based off of like what they've given you, you know, and like that give and take is, you know, something that like, you know, uh, uh, comedians and improv artists do all the time. And that's always something fun to carry with you in the booth. And did you ever improv anything with Tippy? Uh, uh, yeah, with him, it was more just like playing with um, playing with how he says things, you know, like if on the if on the paper he's saying, you know, move along, you know, for me, I was like, well, he's a cow. So what if he's, you know, it's more like a, Oh oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Move it along. You know what I mean? Like what if there's a little moo in there, you know? And like, that was something where it's just like, there aren't, you know, 12 O's in move in move. Right. It just says move. But for me, I'm like, I think it would be really funny if he like moves when he says it, you know? Um, And then there's just like little, little things around lines that I do, you know, like, like sitting there and, you know, watching, watching these two kids on a bench, you know, like basically talk about what their next move is going to be. And, you know, just like, you know, uh, you know, just, just ad libbing a bit of the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those little things that you would do if you got caught, you know, like chiming in on someone's conversation, you know what I mean? Like those are the little texture things that I like to add without coming in and like, you know, big footing on someone's script and trying to rewrite the whole thing because like no one wants that. 
And uh, I really love um, in Hurl Interrupted when Lynn lets out the 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 wild cow. I love uh, Tippy's freak out <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the, towards the end of the episode. It's hilarious. <laughs> Yo, that that episode was hilarious to me. I was just like, this is so funny, so funny to me. Um, and yeah, you know, like. Like all, you know, all of those, all of those reactions, like those are improvs, those are ad libs. Um, they have all of us right on any of the crowd noise and like reactions from people. So like, those are things that everyone is ad libbing, you know, because um, really on the page, they give you like, like they'll give you something in brackets. Will it just be like, you know, crowd voila, you know, like running efforts, you know what I mean? And then you just basically fill in the blanks however you want. Um but yeah, that was a super fun episode. And do do you uh, do you watch any of the stuff you're in? First of all, I love cartoons, so absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm also interested. Um, you never really know like what takes they chose, so I'm always interested into what actually made the cut because um, that would help me for the next session to you know kind of make sure that I'm making choices that you know. Um, not necessarily won't end up on the cutting room floor, but more meet the 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 vision that the showrunners have. You know what I mean? Because once you can get that, that's how you again can like start cutting down the session time to really give them what they're looking for, right? What their vibe is sooner, so that from there you can just start playing around. Because most people I talk to can't stand to watch it, the stuff they're in because they're like, I'm I'm too critical of my own work. I, I can't watch it. <laughs> oh, my God. I watch it all. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched. Um, there's this interview with Samuel L. Jackson and they're asking him because I think like Denzel Washington or someone doesn't like watching their movies. And like Samuel L. Jackson was like, oh, I watch my movies. He's like, I only go into movies that I want to watch. <laughs> so he's like, why won't I go and watch it? And I was just like, I'm with you, Sam. Like, like I want to do the type of project that I want to watch, you know? So, like, of course. And then, like, I share it with, you know, my nieces and nephews just to be like, guys, look at this. And they're usually like, yeah, man, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, I thought it was cool. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're like, yeah, that's cool, but uh, we're going to go back to our video games now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> they're like, awesome, great, great. <laughs> So um, before we wrap up, because uh, and and you know we we're almost out of time here, uh, is there any 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 projects you're currently working on that you can talk about that aren't under that you know without worrying about the dreaded NDAs? Yeah, like probably the only one would just be the um, Jessica's Big Little World um, that's popping up, um, you know, because they that's out on the internet. That's not a secret. Um, and, you know, I I feel like that's going to be something very, very fun for for preschoolers to check out. Um, if you haven't checked out Craig of the Creek, you know, you can get a chance to go back and look at that on Cartoon Network and uh, get a feel for his sister, Jessica, because um, this entire spinoff is, you know, a preschool series that it will also be on HBO Max and um, really just following, you know, a day in the life of this this. <laughs> young girl who is you know trying to do things you know what i mean like just trying to trying to figure out life just like the rest of us and of course she gets into a lot of hilarious situations um because of it so yeah that's that's one that i'm really proud of and really excited for 
especially since um, it's the type of material that my little daughter, who is a one, one and a half now, will be able to check out as well. So I look forward to watching that one with her. And hopefully we'll we'll see more of Tippy in future episodes because that's that's too much of a good character not to have in more oh, episodes. Man. Oh, lo- love Tippy, love Tippy, love him. <laughs> it was like, hey, Oliver might might have gotten the shaft, but you know that's all right. Still, that's all right. There's, there's still Tippy. <laughs> I'm still still holding on hope for Tippy. <laughs> that's right. Next session, I'm just gonna like be just. I'm just going to give a pitch about Oliver. You know, I just felt like maybe there's an Oliver episode out there. They'd be like, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> he died off screen. Okay? He died <laughs> off screen. He slipped down the steps. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I, I look forward to working with the Loud House family again. It's super duper fun. And, you know, continuing on this animated journey because, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, we all need some laughs. You know, some laughs and some joy. And uh, is there anywhere people can find you online to bother you about <laughs> about Loud House and what have you? <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, feel free to bother me on the Instagram. Um, my tag is at Alani Longway. Uh, there's a shared I in the middle. So it'll be A-L-A-N-I-L-O-N-G-W-E. Uh, Adelani a long way and you know feel free to message me any questions you might have especially if you're uh, an aspiring voiceover artist out there you know I'm always down to help people you know figure out classes and whatever the next steps might be for themselves you know give everybody a leg up to start chasing their dreams all right thanks so much for taking the time up to do this this has been a lot of fun and if you ever want to come back you know where to find me Hey, absolutely. You know, when Jessica's Big Little World comes out, I'll hit you up again. All right. Take care.